everyone was saying it's going to be a big crash and property was going to drop by 40%. Now, the 40% drop didn't happen. So the big question is this, how investors like us who weren't born with a silver spoon successfully investing in property to create a passive income and still have a lifestyle now? That is the question. This podcast will give you the answers. I'm George Markoski and welcome to the Positive Property Show. Our mission is to empower 10,000 people to create financial freedom through property using the Markoski method. Join us. Hey guys, how you doing? Welcome. Now, George Markoski for Positive Property. I'm here with David Lipsitz from Logic Finance. If you can hear me okay, happy to talk a bit more about what's happening at the moment uh, in the market because this is... I mean, we've never seen anything like this. Money is so cheap at the moment. Uh, and, you know, I've even got clients right now that are saying, I've got cash in the bank, but I might as well borrow. You know, it is so cheap and it's such a great time to get into investment property. You know, used to be the time where, remember remember the days where we used to have interest rates of 7 8 9%, those from 30 years ago probably remember that 17%, you know. But yep. um, back then, it was still a line ball. You had to go, well, actually... How much capital growth am I going to get? How much am I going to get this? You know, you look at all those sorts of things um, because really the rental yields generally still sit about, like you say, four and a half to five percent. Now we're getting interest rates at two percent, right? Half the rental yields. So um, it's extraordinary. I mean, and 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 not only that, banks are sort of clamoring over themselves to provide rebates and every type of you know angle to try and get market share. So it's a really good opportunity for investors to get into the market. Um, and as you say. This is, um, we're seeing all the hallmarks of an extraordinary property boom going right now. So and I dare say the low interest rates uh, are playing a role in that. Um, but if you look at all the fundamentals, you know, particularly with what's happened with the economy, what's coming out of COVID and so forth, and certainly the, the medium term uh, fixed interest rates and so forth, there's no talk about them going up. No one's talking about them going up, right? So clearly, even if you were just looking to get invest for the next five to 10 years, it's a great time. This is going to be, there's, there's some certainly pretty pr- a fair bit of stability over the next five years from what I'm seeing within finance circles. So and obviously, great time for property, great time for finance. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, look, guys, I've got David on tonight, and he's here to answer your finance questions. So David's here to answer your finance questions. So please type in any finance questions you've got, because David's going to be able to help with that. And um as that would saying, it's pretty full on. Look, this is the thing, right? The models that the banks are saying, they're saying that prices are very quickly going to go double digit and stay there through 2021. This is actually the biggest boom since the GFC, even leaves, you know, back in, if you remember back in 2013 and 14, the mining, the, the big mining booms, right? Leaves them for dead. I'm gonna answer a few questions here. First one will be on the 1.99%. Um, there's, uh, the, we were talking about the rebates before, about a whole heap of lenders paying rebates. The same applies to a, it's a number of lenders really trying to buy market share with interest rates. Um, the only thing to bear in mind is a lot of these, consider them like a honeymoon rate. You know, mm-hmm. there used to be, lenders used to call it for what it was a few years ago, where they said there's a honeymoon rate and then it's just going to go up. Um, they're essentially trying to buy, buy some market share by allowing you to get in really cheap early on. And then as soon as you've uh, done that, then the variable rate will sort of push it up. So just bear, bear, bear in mind, if you're getting those 1.99s that are great, um, but just 
in, in two years' time, whenever that rate expires, you really want to review it uh, yeah. and, uh, and, and have a look at what else is in the market at that time. It makes sense. But if you're looking to build a relationship with a lender, you want to see what their ongoing rates are as well. Yeah, look, personally, I always like to go for a broker and not go direct to a bank anyway, because the one challenge when you go direct to a bank is the bank's interest is only to sell you their products. And at the end of the day, I want the person I'm dealing with to be working on actually working on my side, the team. And that's why I like to get a mortgage manager or a broker so they can re represent me, not the other way around where they're representing the bank. Because when you go to a bank, the bank's getting represented by someone that works for them. And there's another question here. Here we go. So um, that question about the 1.99%, that was through CBA, wasn't it? That question? Because CBA, I mean, I've, I know a few people where they've cross-collateralized and I wasn't very happy with the way I did it. I have savings to buy investment. Where should I buy to get maximum returns? I'm wanting to plan for retirement and wanting advice and guidance on what to do. Okay. That's a very good question. And um, I'll go into this one. Where you need to buy is there's 16,000 suburbs in Australia. And out of the 16 suburbs, there's people, the suburbs at the top and suburbs in the bottom. And what you want to do is you want to get the highest performing suburbs. So what I like to do is I like to actually do a check out demand supply ratio and I only pick the top 100, maximum top 200 suburbs in the whole of Australia. So that's where you want to invest for the biggest return and depending on when you want to retire as well. That's, that's the maximum returns because if you want to get maximum returns, what needs to happen is you need to be buying for capital growth, not for cash flow. Because when you're buying for cash flow, you're not going to get maximum returns because your property is not going to go up. So one, you've got to get a property that's safe, uh, I'd say capital city or Raj regional center, and one that's got um, that's going to got good capital growth. And then the structure is where you can get it right. And that's where you need a mortgage manager or a broker instead of a bank to get the structure right. So that way your cash flow is there as well. So it doesn't cost you an arm and leg on the way through. 10 years retirement. Yep. So 10 years is a good time uh, because 10 years is actually ideal. What the number one thing I would invest in before I invest in property, and this is what I say to everyone, is invest in yourself first and educate yourself and really be prepared and know what's, what's going on. See, property investing, a lot of people find it very complicated because they don't understand the core principles and they don't understand the basics. But when you understand the core principles, it's actually very simple. So that's why you need to know that and that's why it's very important. Look, depending on your assets um, and your equity, the money you've got and your and the money and, and how much you earn, that all makes a big difference in how much you can, uh, what you're going to do for your retirement and depends on how much you want. You know, because some people are happy making hundred grand a year and other people, they want 500 grand a year. So when I originally retired, just to give you an example, I retired at 37, I had 10 properties and I was making 180 grand a year, passive income. Passive income is when you're sitting around and you don't have to do anything and the money just comes in. And at the time that was good for me. But I actually now want to get to the next level. So I'm actually buying a lot more properties this year. And David's helped me buy more properties because my goal is to buy number four this year. And Christina, my wife, wants to buy five. So we're having a bit of a competition. And I think she's going to beat me because she's more motivated than I am. But yes. Someone said, hello, George Wachowski. Hello. Hello and welcome. Thank you. Now, I've got someone here for you, David. I'm a CBA customer. I fixed my loan just before COVID because I was paying 3.8% and got offered 
2.7 for the three years, but now interest rate is 1.99. Still two years left for the fix to change in offset account and I fix all my money. So what should I do to save my money as much as I can? David, can you please answer that one? So to talk through what sh- what's happening with CBA at the moment is these are these are lenders, like you said before, that a lot of the majors would like to cross-collateralize. So they basically, what does that mean? It means they basically get their hooks into all your properties. And you'd go, well, what's the difference with that? That's okay. Well, it's all very well until you want to sell one or want to renovate one or want to change one or want to get equity out of one. That's when the difference is. The second thing to bear in mind is that CBA might have a really cheap fixed rate, but guess what? They may not lend you the most. You know, like just to give you an example, when when CBA go and look at servicing to try and see how much they can lend you, um, they only use 70% of the rent. You know, where a whole heap of other lenders use 80% of the rent, you know, as an example. So um, their, their negative deductions are, or their, 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 their depreciation of deductions aren't too bad. But the reality is, ANZ, particularly if you've got a number of properties, is actually a bit better. We just did a comparison with a client that had a number of investment properties. ANZ was able to lend our client about $100,000 more. Exactly the same situation. So um, often it's very important uh, from a structure perspective to look at, you know, firstly, making sure that properties aren't crossed. Secondly, making sure that you've got the cash flow right, you know, that if you want to go interest only and so forth, making sure that um, you're only fixing properties that you're going to be keeping for for that period. And also, um, there comes a period when you've got a few properties that you might want to start looking at your second lender. Because just sticking with one lender has its inherent risks. The other issue with um, the crossing properties is it's all very well. Let's say CBA says, well, I'm going to lend you you know, a million dollars to do this, purchase a number of these properties. That's all very well and good. But in a year's time, suddenly they go, oh, actually, you know what? You know how we were going to lend you a million dollars then? Yeah, now we're only going to lend you 800,000. You go, wait a minute, but I'm, I'm in a better position, right? It doesn't matter. So, oh, well, we, we, we reassess things and that's how it is. Whereas, for example, if you suddenly had just, you could just re- refinance one of your properties or you had another lender to go with, you've got a whole heap more options. So I think the key Absolutely. thing is to be flexible, being nimble, you know, having all those tools, getting much like you do, George, you know, having getting equity out, being ready, because often those opportunities only come, come by ever so often. And as soon as they come by, you want to pounce on them really quickly. And Absolutely. I know that you and Christine and your team are looking all the time for those opportunities. So it's, a re- it's really important to be prepared. Um, and just one thing I will say, um, sorry, I know um, uh, I'm probably just talking a bit of diatribe here. Um, the key thing for me and the, and the, the, the way I see the, I mean, the reason, George, you're so successful uh, and a number of the people that you work with are so successful is because you don't leave it to chance, right? You plan, you think about it, you know, you prepare for it. And I think that's how it should be. I mean, there's, there's this talk out there that goes, oh, well, you know, you'll bump into an investment property and then you just go and buy it. Well, not really. You actually prep up, you get the education like you're doing um, and providing, and then you actually get all the ducks lined up. So that as soon as you find that property, that you turn the key, and it's not, it's not, it's not left to chance. You know exactly how it's going to play out. It makes sense. And I think the finance professional is a key part of that, because um, often when you're dealing with a bank, they're not looking out for your interests. They're looking out for the bank's interests. You're dealing yeah. with a broker or a finance consultant. They're deliberately working with you. And by the way, if you ever are dealing with a broker or a finance consultant, ask them one question: How many investment properties do they have? Exactly. How many investment loans do they have? You don't, they want- don't have any they probably don't have much experience being able to talk from firsthand. David, that's an excellent point. And I love that question because I really think, you know, if you're going to get a 
someone to help you finance. And that's why I love you as part of our circle of safety because you invest in property, you've got properties. But, you know, also if you're going to get a mentor or a coach, how many properties do they have? Have they done what you want to do? Very important. Now, one other thing I'd like to say is there's a difference between playing checkers and chess, right? And checkers you play when you're four or five years old. It's a very simple thing, one, one move at a time. But see, chess is a completely different game because chess, you've got to think five, six, seven moves ahead. And when you're investing in property, when you're doing finance, stop thinking checkers, start thinking chess. Because if you lock yourself into three years, for example, that's not a good thing because it doesn't make you nimble. But also if you cross-collateralize, that stops you as well because we want to start thinking second, third, fourth property at the same time. Because what happens is if you get the wrong loan on your first investment property, that could stop you from getting your second, third, and fourth. And really, you really want to get the right strategy. Now, what I want to do is I want to go back to the person who's talking about retiring and um, replying to Facebook, yes, it's complicated. I want to use my equity and I'm on my own. I earn less than $80,000. Okay, great. Well, $80,000 is plenty. I've actually had people join our program less than $50,000 who have already got two investment properties and paid off their mortgage in four and a half years. And you don't want to use your equity. Well, that may be a lack of education. This is what I suggest you do. Um, I'm talking specifically to this person who wants to retire and doesn't know where to invest and doesn't want to use the equity. Like I said before, what you need to do is really invest in yourself. I'm actually doing uh, a 14-day live challenge next next week, actually. I, th I think it starts on the 1st of March and in a week or two. What I'd like you to do is um, type in if you want to, if anyone wants to, if anyone wants to link to our challenge, I think I've got a, a handful of spots left. Type in challenge, and I'll send you a personal message and send you a link to it because I'm doing it next week and I'm actually doing it live. So what I'll do to this, what I do in this challenge is we sit down and we go through every step of the process of how to invest in property. I'll show you what to invest, how to invest, how to structure, and I'll teach you how to create a multi-million dollar game plan. I'm teaching you how to play chess and I'm teaching you how to set this up for the rest of your life. And seriously, you only have to do it once. And once you've done it, this is going to serve you for the rest of your life. And if you're, if you're serious about property investing, I suggest you do my challenge and really learn about it. So just type in the word challenge and either me or my team will reach out and show, give you a link so you can do our challenge. And I think um, it would really serve you well. You have to be able to service your loan if you use your equity for low income. Yes, of course. And servicing is important. That's why you want to get a broker on board or a mortgage manager so they can help massage the deal and make sure we present you the right way because you might present yourself wrong and the bank's not going to help you present yourself right. Is that correct, David? So I just want to answer this question about the, um, the question about should you use your equity or shouldn't you use your equity? That is essentially, that's the gold dust that you've got. If you've got equity, you're in a great position to be able to leverage that. You know, and remember, we, we're talking about leveraging it at 2% or something on those lines. So basically, you you, you, ba you basically be able to get that equity out of your property at 2%, which is a deposit for buying a brand new property. And you're basically getting it at such a, such a low percent, whereas the, the actual income that you're going to be getting from these properties are sitting over 4%. So um, that's, that's, that's the way you're thinking about it. You're actually getting something to invest in something that's actually going to earn you an income. That makes sense. Um, and you want to make sure that it stands on its own two feet. You know, if you can't afford it, then you shouldn't do it. But I mean, I think you should be factoring in the rent, even if you're shading the rent, as a lot of the banks do. You, you do all that, make sure that you're comfortable. I mean, being comfortable is important. Um, 
but clearly um, with the way interest rates are sitting at the moment, um, you know, there's lots of opportunity. And guess what? What's, what's the worst case scenario? Worst case scenario is you may want to sell it in the future, you know, if you're really uncomfortable. But really, um, this is a great opportunity. And I, and I like George's, uh, you know, challenge. I think of, you know, when, whenever I, you know, had a buddy to go to the gym with who sort of challenged you, that's when you get the best results, you know, getting someone who's actually just going to push you that little bit further. If that makes sense, George. Sorry again about the delay. Yep, that's okay. Um, yes, and thank you so much for explaining that. But look, at the end of the day, um, there's two choices you've got. And, you know, everyone's out there working nine to five or, you know, you're either you're working for a job for someone or you're working for yourself and you're earning, you're using your time to earn money. And while we're doing that, your equity is sitting at home doing nothing, right? And a lot of times, you know, when we do our workshops, I ask someone, you know, a plumber will say, hey, I'll get up at six o'clock in the morning, I'll work all day and I'll get back at seven o'clock at night and they've done, you know, 11 hours or whatever, 13 hours. And I'm saying, what has your equity been doing? Sitting at home doing nothing. So really you've got to flip that switch and you've got to think like a millionaire. See, what the rich do is the poor trade time for dollars and the rich use their assets to make them money. So if you don't want to use your equity, you're thinking like a poor person. I'm not trying to insult you, but you've got to change your thinking, elevate your thinking, get educated, do the 14-day challenge, or get a coach and learn to invest like a rich person because rich people, they use their assets to make money. So that's what I do. See, last year, you know, I made out of my property portfolio over a million dollars last year and I didn't have to lift a finger, right? And I'm not saying that to impress you, but to impress upon you that you can make money at a property. And actually, this gets me into the next question. At what stage at what stage will I start making millions from property? And look, property takes time. You know, I've, I've really had enough of this whole get rich quick, rainbows and unicorns and all these people out there saying you're going to make millions out of property straight away, which is not going to happen overnight. Property takes time. And you've got to be in it for the long term. And I really think if you're thinking property, you've got to be thinking 10 years minimum investing to really make money out of property. And basically, if you've heard of the rule of seven, the rule of seven, if you're getting a 10% return on your, on your investment in seven years, is going to double. So if you buy a $500,000 property and it returns you 10% per year, it's going to double in seven. Now, over the last 30 years, properties have gone up 40%, just to give you an idea. But let's say worst case scenario, properties give you 7%. That means in around 10 years, you're going to double your money. But the way I see it is I haven't got a crystal ball, so I can't see the future. But, you know, CBA, Westpac, they're saying we're going to double-digit growth just over the next year or two, right, which is pretty crazy. But I like to look at, you know, 5 to 7%. So that way, in 10 or 12 years, I'm going to double my money. And if I do it quicker, great. If I don't, I'm still happy because – the 500,000 I would have made, I still wasn't was going to make it anywhere else anyway. So that's really the way it is. Someone says, just say my name, thanks. But you've come across as Facebook user. I can't see your name. So type in your name and I will. <laughs> I love it. Now, there's a little bit of delay with me and David. So there's a few little pauses. So what I'm going to do is um, try to keep it moving and get David back in. So... Can I get props from renting property where I'm living at the stage? I'll get David to answer that one. So, uh, so I guess there was a, there was a number of questions there about whether they people are tied into fixed rates uh, and so forth. I think rather than talking about individual situations here on this uh, sort of webinar, 
my recommendation is get an expert. I mean, you should think of your finance professional just like you think of your accountant, just like you think of your lawyer. You know, go there and ask for advice on what should you do in those specific situations, right? But I will say this though, um, the the great time, so the golden time to really look at changing up, you know, what your interest rates are, what your loan structure is, et cetera, is when you're looking to buy a property. So when George and his team have found you a property uh, and 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 you, you're basically getting ready to, to get some finance for that property and getting some equity out, well, that is the time to actually say, well, wait a minute, let's have another look at this because if we're going to change this, we might as well change the structure anyway. Does it make sense? Because mm -hmm. this is the time to do it. So um, don't uh, don't miss that opportunity. If you can tweak a few things, clean up a few things, you know, if you need an offset account or you need a few things, that's the time to do it. And particularly if you're going to be breaking a fixed rate, um, I'd be looking to do it at the time when you're looking to purchase a property. Excellent. And look, that that's fantastic. But what I like to say is when it comes to structure, right, don't leave it up to the banks to give you a structure because their structure is going to be looking towards what's going to help them. And don't get someone that doesn't know what they're doing. Don't go to discount basement, a mortgage broker who just started his business and he's got two clients and he's only been in it for a year. You want someone that's got the experience with property investors and someone that can get the structure right because the structure is going to protect you. The structure is going to be the thing that's going to help you with your cash flow and it's very, very important. Now, someone said, can you call Rupinder Singh while you're talking, George? I'm excited while online, please. Look, I'm sorry, I can't call anyone at the moment, but if you want to go live on our Facebook, then that's the way it is. So... Replying to Facebook user, banks would only loan me around 350000 Great question. Now, that's because you went to a bank. Don't go to a bank. You can probably get much more. I can't guarantee it, but imagine if you went to David, he'd be able to get you maybe 500000 600000 I've seen people, 70% of people that join our program, our mentoring program, couldn't get a loan to get anything. And now they've got millions of dollars worth of property. David? So um, just to talk about the... Uh the question about you know a bank only being able to lend you let's say three hundred fifty thousand, it used to be the case where you know all banks were going to lend about the same amount. Big differences between banks, big differences, and particularly when you start having a number of investment properties, the gulf between what one lender lends you and what another lender lends you is significant, right? So don't assume that if you've had a response from one bank saying they're only going to lend you three hundred fifty thousand, that that is the go for all banks okay so um keep that in mind uh and banks you know have got their little flavors or their different nuances you know some banks are very good for self-employed some banks are very good for you know, investment income some banks are very good for if you've got share income whatever the case may be so um it's it's horses for courses and again get advice from from the professional exactly um or just wave a hand okay i'm gonna wave a hand hello and welcome hello I want to wave. Now, there's actually, there's some other news I want to talk about, which is interesting, right? So Australia has actually got a triple A credit rating at the moment that's been reaffirmed by Fitch Ratings recently, right? And only nine countries in the world have got a triple A rating. Isn't that amazing? Okay, so I've got someone saying, I need a coach. I'm afraid. I know it's long term. Good. Well, look, yes, I believe that everyone needs a coach, definitely. And what I suggest you do is before you get a coach, you got to check that coach out. Even me, right? 
I don't want to be anyone's coach unless you know um, know my story, know what I do and everything else like that. And that's why I created the 14-day challenge. So if you need a coach, type in the 14-day challenge, check me out for 14 days, and then you can decide if you want me as a coach or not because I'm not for everyone. You know, I'm very specific for who I help and I'm, I love helping people. But, you know, my goal is to empower 10,000 Australians to create financial freedom for investing in property using the Markowski method. We've got over 2,000 people that have joined our program, they're members, and they're currently very successful and very grateful all around Australia who are using my system, and which is pretty awesome. Okay, so here's the next one. So if I get 600,000, how do I service the loan on 80K? That's a good question. I'll start the question, right? Um, so basically, if I'm going to buy a property, it's I don't, I don't want to spend too much money on buying a property. When I first started investing in property, I was spending, you know, negative gearing $200, $300 a week. And that wasn't, it just wasn't working for me. So, you know, 80000 for a $600,000 loan is easy because if you get the right property, you know, and I've I recently helped someone get a property worth about five hundred fifty thousand. So I can talk about this. And he was on around eighty thousand dollars, and his property was positive. So he was actually hacking service, and you'll be making money. So worst case scenario, it cost you thirty dollars a week. So the person on eighty thousand dollars, can you please type in the answer? Can you afford thirty dollars a week? If you can, you'll be able to service it pretty easily. If you can't, it's going to be tough. Obviously, there's two types of servicing, what you can actually use out of your pocket and what the banks say you can and can't borrow. And they're two very different things. And I'm talking, um, David's the expert on what the banks are going to say. I'm the expert on how much it actually can cost you out of your pocket once we do the cash flow calculator. And I'll show you how to use this in the actual, um, yes, you can afford it. Great. Well, then you can service that. If you can afford $30, you can service it. So what I suggest you do is one, do the challenge. You can put $50 a week. Fantastic. That's awesome. So you might be able to get two houses because I'd rather get two cheaper houses than one expensive house anyway so I can spread my risk. But really, how about the overheads? Yes, good question. Look, when I buy a property, what I do is I'm very, very diligent to let the numbers do the talking because sometimes people go, okay, what interest rate is it? What's the valuation? Which bank is it? What are they doing and what rebate and blah, 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 blah. Am I paying Linda's mortgage insurance or everything else like that? None of that really matters. There's only two things that really matter. Three things. One, that the property is in a high growth area and you're going to double your money in the next seven, 10 or 12 years. Two, that you can afford it out of your weekly pay packet. And three, you get approved to get the loan. So what happens is I've got a thing called the cash flow calculator. And everyone that does my 14-day challenge gets one of these for free. And the cash flow calculator, they usually they're worth it's worth about $700 and also do the training. And what you do with this cash flow calculator is an Excel spreadsheet. You put in the price of the property, your deposit, your equity, interest rate. It's all orange, very simple. And I'll show you how to use it. You put all details in, all the overheads, and it spits out a number at the bottom and shows you how much it's going to cost you. And when you look at that number, then you can make a decision and go, okay, is this property right for me? And if it's cheap and you can afford it, it's a yes. And if you can't afford it, it's a no. It's a hell no, because you shouldn't be buying it if you can't afford it. Do not overcommit yourself. Do not stretch yourself. Keep yourself safe. Because the most important part of investment is can you afford it easily and can you keep it? Because sometimes people get a bit greedy. They try to overextend themselves. They're paying too much money. 
then they get into trouble and they lose their investment and they go backwards. So you don't want to do that. You really want to keep yourself safe. Um, I will say this, that um, uh, it, it used to be a lot more simple uh, and clearly now it's becoming a lot more complicated and you can see from the questions that are coming out there. Um, I will say this as well, you know, um, when the banks are assessing whether they'll lend you uh, money for purchasing an investment property, they actually look at, they actually work on, you know, even though it's only going to cost you two, two and a half percent, let's say, they work on it, you know, costing you five and a half percent, right? So remember that for a, for, for a moment. So if the bank's lending you the money, they're actually factored in a huge buffer for you that even if rates should fluctuate, even if things should fluctuate, you know, they've, they've got, you've got some room to move there, right? But that doesn't change the fact that it's worth, you know, making sure that you feel safe, making sure you feel comfortable. You know, we're a big fan of trying to build in a buffer account. Uh, I don't know, as are you, George, you know, making sure we've got some contingencies in place, you know, that, you know, even if rent's late for a, for a few weeks, whatever it is, you've got that fallback, you know. So it's about being smart when you're setting these things up, in my view. Um, but, um, you know, I, I just think, um, I mean, I, the question about the 80 grand, just so you know, you know, we, we've just recently finance somebody to buy an owner-occupied property for 80 grand without any rental income, and it was probably just under 600,000. So guess what? As soon as you're getting the rental income on, on 600,000, clearly you should be able to afford it. But um, there's a whole host of other factors and, and banks are looking at living expenses and so forth. So I won't jump into all that, but I just want to say that, um, it's worth talking to a professional. And if you've got a rejection from a bank, don't take it as gospel. Excellent, excellent. Look, we're running out of time. We've actually gone over time. But what we're going to do is we're going to answer one more question. And look, David, you've been a very popular man. And we're going to have to bring you back on, I think, uh, just so we can answer more questions. But um, what I'll do is answer this last question. You know, variable or fixed interest only loan when you accumulate investment properties and why. I'm going to give you my take and then I'll get David to talk a little bit about it. But really, at the end of the day, I don't like fixing interest because nine times out of 10, if you fix your interest, you're actually losing because the banks have already worked out their little margin and you're paying a little margin fixed that interest. And even the last few years, a lot of people said, oh, George, it's so low, I want to fix. And guess what? They've still lost. And we thought they couldn't have lost. So nine times out of 10, you're going to lose. So you might as well, if you're a betting man, go for the 90% odds and just go variable. Also, um, I'd go for interest only as well when accumulating investment properties so I can get the cash flow because I want as many properties as I can growing as fast as I can to get my goal. It takes, you know, 7, 10, 12 years for a property to double. So you need to have it. The sooner you get it, the sooner it's going to double. So you want to get as many as you can early on safely so they grow. David? My take on all this is, uh, and I agree completely with what you're saying, uh, George, uh, is that, you know, the, 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 the data is out there to say that, uh, variable over any extended period always wins out over fixed, always, right? So now there are those that can get short-term gains. And by the way, the longest you'd ever want to fix is three years, ever want to fix is for three years. And at the moment, for anyone looking to fix, fix no longer than two years, you know, because really we don't really know. And, and the banks, if you look over a historical period, banks have always won when it came to variable over fixed, they're fixed, they'll, they'll generally beat you on that. I mean, I've got a whole whole team of economists working on this. The interest-only piece is interesting because, you know, there was APRA and a few other regulators that got involved and said, okay, they have to be more expensive. They are slightly more expensive. Some lenders, it's actually not that big a difference. Um, but yeah, it has a big impact on cash flow. So really important to look at that, right? So I think um, these are all really good questions. 
Um, but I, I think George is right. I think, um, you know, if you've got a choice, Go Variable gives you supreme flexibility. There's no penalties if you want to break it early uh, and if, you know, and, and so forth, you know, and, and getting equity out or moving to a different lender. If suddenly they'll lend you more, you can do all that and you don't, you're not pinned down by that lender. And the amount of clients that I've gotten, I see one of your clients, one of the, the Facebook users tonight has even noted that, um, you know, they stuck in a, in a higher fixed rate. That's not uncommon, unfortunately. Yeah, but exactly. if you are looking to purchase a property, certainly a good time to review it at that time. Yep. And look, um, David and I recently just did a series of videos for the 14 day challenge. And we actually go through and explain all this anyway in detail and give you some homework that you can do. So if you're doing the 14 day challenge, you're interested, type in the word challenge and my team or I will send you a DM and give you a link to it because it's starting next week. And, um, you know, if you're watching the replay, just type some questions in. We're going to be monitoring. We're going to come back, and then we'll have those questions for uh, next week or two when David comes back and visits us. David, I really appreciate you coming on board today. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for watching. You know, remember, we're freedom fighters. We're fighting for freedom, one property at a time, you know, because I really believe that the life you want, the holidays you want, the family you want, everything you want is one good property portfolio away. It seriously is. David, thank you so much. And everyone have a good night and see you. Remember, we're here live every Wednesday at 6.35 Australian Eastern Standard Time, 6.05 Australian Standard Time. And I don't know what time in Perth, but some other time. So see you soon. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. I'm grateful for all our listeners around the world. If you found this podcast valuable, please share with someone that might find this useful. And please join our tribe of purpose-driven investors, increasing income and impact in our Facebook group, Positive Property. Please note, with a multi-million dollar property portfolio and a passive income, I've become incredibly successful at investing in property. The fact of it is, however, many people may find investing in property challenging. It's not easy. It takes a lot of hard work. However, becoming educated to make an informed decision and having the right advisors gives you the tools you need to succeed. The most important part of this formula, however, is to actually take action and apply that knowledge. It is important to understand that information I share is of a general nature only and is not taking into account your unique circumstances. If you're considering investing in any asset class, you need to seek the advice of an independent professional advisor who will be able to look at your specific situation. Be sure your advisor has actually achieved the kind of results you're seeking. Many won't have, so beware. We've taken great care putting those educational resources together. We'd be surprised if you didn't find any errors or omissions. If you do, our legal team says we have to say we're not responsible for those. In fact, as with all things, even your success, we're not responsible. That responsibility always has and always will come down to you and the actions you take. We're passionate about supporting you in that process and helping you increase your ability to create wealth, live the life you desire, provide all the things you dream of for you and your family. Thank you.